The Owner's Box is part of the In The Money Podcast Network. You can always log on to inthemoneypodcast.com where you can follow along. You can subscribe to the free newsletter. And not only do you have the Owner's Box, but also shows such as the Players Podcast, JK Plus One, The Matt Bernier Show, Red Board Rewind, Nick Luck Daily, Talk Racing to Me, In the Ring with Acacia Courtney, and Off Track with Maggie. So lots of great things to listen to. Just head over to inthemoneypodcast.com. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome, everybody, to another fun-filled edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me, she's back. She's back from Dubai. She's back from all her travels. The great, the talented, the fantastic, the wonderful Michelle Yu. You know, I got to tell you, you got some really nice comments from your trip on, on the job that you did. Saying kudos did? to you. Yeah, I saw them all over social media. You were the star. You were the star of the show. I don't know about that, but it was very fun and I was glad to get to be a part. And um, it's very cool also to it's it's so different than kind of like what we do on a day to day basis. And even when I go and do, you know, trips, like when I do Saudi, the role is different. And when I go and I do, you know, Fox, I feel like the role there is different. So the role here is like strictly form analyst was pretty cool. Now, William Buick hates me, but everybody else. <laughs> Why does William Buick hate you? Oh my gosh. He gave a horse a night, like the worst ride ever. Um, and I called him out. I was like, well, that horse ran his absolute eyeballs out, and William Buick cost Charlie Appleby the win tonight. Oh, wow. Was that your beer? No. Uh, that was not the greatest ride either, but no. I mean, that horse was just kind of like full of run, and he took him wide, did not, right. not stop him. The right. ride is, was on Bonobo. Right, right. Um, when right. he like fought him like literally the entire way, and they were like walking. Like, you know the Mike Smith move when they're walking on the grass, and Mike Smith's like, screw this, and he like goes outside and like goes up and takes command? Yeah. Like, that's the ride that horse needed. Like, he's not struggling to stay the distance, and he right. almost won at the end. Like, if he just hadn't fought him the, literally the entire way around uh, twice, I think. Literally. Literally. Um, what was, okay, if Michelle Yu, if you weren't the star of the show, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this on Three Things of Note, but who? what was the star of the show? Or who? Um, <clears throat> I mean... I think watching the throwdown in the in the Shima was was pretty cool. That the, was that was I thought that race was awesome. Um, so like when we were looking back like that night, that was what I said was the Shima Classic. Wouldn't you say though that the Japanese were the star of the show? Is that yeah? Is I that, mean, is that far fetched? Are we going to get to that? Am I stealing all your the three things of notes? No, you're, no, totally not, not at all. Um, yeah, the, obviously, yeah, the the Japanese were insane, right? Like it was crazy, and to watch them with this like meteoric rise internationally is fantastic. Uh, obviously, they came stateside this winter and did really great against us. So. It's amazing to get to watch this. And, you know, I think that the Japanese have proved to be very passionate and also very thorough. And they've been very patient with trying to make their product excellent. I would, so, agree, I would agree with all of that. And, in fact, uh, our special guest today, which is going to be Boyd Browning from uh, Facing Tipton, uh, he's going to join us in just a minute. And uh, I think Boyd mentioned to me the other day when I was talking to him, he said, wait wait about five or ten years and because they're buying so many good mares um from our sales that i think they're pro he thought he thinks their program is even going to get stronger we'll talk to boyd about that when he comes up but first before we do that let's get to the michelle use three things of note which we have no introduction for okay so the first thing was i don't know if you knew but it was to buy <laughs> well we just talked about that yeah right so that's the first thing of note i mean Overall, I think it was really great racing. I thought we had some very cool um, finishes, just visually, not just not just the overall outcome, which was still great, but like visually watching some of the races. Like when I was talking about that Shima, when they turned for home and they were like middle of the lane, it was literally a 14 horse blanket, right? Every single horse was there. Like that's what you want to see in a, in a crazy good horse race. 
So I thought that was cool. Country Grammar ended up winning the Dubai World Cup. I didn't love the ride that Life is Good got, but overall, I think this was the true horse that wanted the mile and a quarter. Yeah, I thought it was a, a, a rather, I mean, the, the U.S. horses finished first, second, and fourth, right? Um, Hot Rod Charlie finished second. I, it's interesting, if you're a Hot Rod Charlie fan and you were watching that race, and I confirmed this with Bill Strauss after the like race, he was the there. Going the backside, you thought he was going to run last? I thought he was, around the turn, I thought he was going to run last. I mean, yeah. I, I thought he was just done. I mean, even the announcer said he was being scrubbed on, and Pratt was he going was to work early. Was riding and riding and riding. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden he comes back, and when they, they straight down the stretch, I'm like, oh, my God, he might win. Uh, I it was really one of the strangest races, and um, the uh, the the guy on you you didn't like the ride on Life is Good, but what you you thinking he should have just slowed it down? You think they went too fast? What's your no, comment? I think they went way too slow. You think they went too slow? Well, that was interesting. Way too slow. That horse went forty eight and change. Right. The guy on Twitter who I think is re- pretty smart, uh, who does the time form figs. Have you seen that guy, Craig? Uh, oh, yeah. Milkowski. Yeah. Um, he 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 put up a great thing. I'm trying to find his tweet right now about about that life is good. It didn't look like he was going very fast, but he actually was going really fast. I I wish I I, I could find the pull up the tweet. I can't find it right Did now. Did he say that? Yeah, he said like he actually for the for the way the race finished, like he was going faster than he needed to go. Like he could have actually gone. So I don't know. He's very. If you follow him, it's at Timeform US Figs. It's interesting. I just tried to pull it up really quick, and I just couldn't uh, couldn't find it quick enough. And I don't want to waste your time. Um, anyway, so yes, life is good. Went out. Couldn't. You know, a lot of people saying couldn't get the distance. You wanted him to go faster. Whatever the case. Country grammar. I, I it's, just, you know, we see out here all the time, right? And I think that I harp on this constantly. Like you don't take a speed. Well, you used to say that about Gamine. You said that about, about Gamine right. all the time. And Baffert right. used to say that. And, and Baffert comes and gets him with country grammar. I mean, right. is there is there just more egg on people's faces when Baffert goes and wins the Dubai World Cup? It's pretty amazing. Okay, so what Craig said was, did some digging because I'm a geek. And for that winning final time, the ideal half mile would have been 49 and change. And life is good when 48 flat. Right. That's that's. A lot of lengths. That's two <laughs> seconds. That's ten lengths. That, you're right. That's what I saw. The ideal mile would have been 139.58. He ran 136.74. The race completely <laughs> fell apart late time-wise, but it is deceiving because none of the closers were really any good. <laughs> He's pretty funny. He's very smart, though. I, I do I do right. like I his... I mean, like, he... I think that... I, I... I'm not saying like he should have gone out and gone 46 and changed just because he can. We're obviously going a mile and a quarter here. I just thought that... If you let that horse actually run and he puts a little bit of distance between him and the closers, like you said, the closers weren't very good. So even if then he's struggling, as long as he's maintaining and not going backwards, he is in front, right? Like he let these horses just kind of hang around his hip the whole time and you could tell he wanted to do more. Yeah, I got you. No, no, no. Look, you could be right. We'll never know. But kudos to uh, your your friend uh, Prince Amir. Is that his name? Is that how I say it? Amr Zidane, my good buddy. Your buddy. And uh, congratulations to trainer Bob Baffert winning another Dubai World Cup. Yes, absolutely. I love Jimmy was so emotional after that. Oh, I'm sure he was. And and kudos to, to, to uh, I, I, I think Windstar is still involved, isn't it? Aren't they? Yes, Windstar is still involved. Uh, as our Commonwealth, I believe. Yep. Um, which is a microshare group. We should actually have Chase on this show. Okay. Uh, and... It was great. It was good for the kudos for all of them involved. And it was very cool. Frankie Dettori riding for Baffert for like what the first time in like 30 years. That's wild. Is that what they said? That's wild. Wild stuff at the Dubai right. World Cup. And uh, what's next, Michelle? What's oh, point number two? Do you have a favorite race? Um, Did you watch any? You know, I told you I was in Detroit. And so I was kind of watching on my cell. Why were you in Detroit? I didn't uh, it know was, uh, Detroit. I was there for a funeral. So it wasn't, oh. wasn't that fun. Did you put the fun in funeral? Uh, we, I'll, I'll be honest. It was a celebration of life. Good. So it wasn't uh, very uh, yeah, funeral-ish. But I, I wasn't really paying all that close attention to the Dubai World Cup races other than the big race. So I couldn't give you a favorite race. I did thought I thought Switzerland ran really well. 
Oh my gosh, could you believe that? That was pretty Which, awesome. By the way, was a um, Timonium purchase. And another horse in there, a U.S. horse, Dr. Shovel. Um, he got a bad trip. Yeah, but I, I thought he was going to run last two, and then he flew for second. So, you know. Third. He ran third. I oh, thought third. he could have won Sorry. the whole thing, and then, like, he was just not anywhere in touch. I thought he was going to be, like, less than two lengths off of the right. front run. Right. So, I, I listen, I saw a lot of your stuff on Twitter, and, and a lot of the, again, I just want to kudos to you, my partner, uh, where for a job well done, and, and everybody. As I've said, the hardest working person in horse racing is Michelle Yu, and she has... The great thing about you, and we've talked about this on the air, is you continue to get better, you continue to learn, you continue to improve, you continue to to improve your grammar, and uh, no, I just think you're great. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate that. You got it. Point number two. All right. Second, second thing of note <clears throat> is um, we had a couple of horses moving around this week while I was yes. gone, yes. including um, Messier, Doppelganger, and Adair Manor, all walking from their shed row into the barn of Tim Yachtin. And if you don't know, Tim Yachtin was a Baffert assistant. He went on his own several years ago. He's married to Millie Ball, who does reporting for uh, XBTV. What is it called? XBTV? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and Tim does a fine job. Obviously, he has a good relationship with Baffert. And, you know, we're still waiting for this uh, decision to come down. But it looks like the owners finally said... Hey, we got to try to qualify for the Derby in the Oaks. I actually think it was Baffert that told the owners, you know, let's not be in limbo. These horses have legitimate shots. Let's get them somewhere because now points are going to mean something. I, I, I That's what was read. That's mm -hmm. what's there, out there. And it could absolutely be true. Um, you don't believe it. Listen, I <clears throat> we're not there. I don't know what to believe. I, I, I can, I want to, I want to believe it. Um, I'm not sure that there wasn't a little pressure on to say, hey, you know, we're getting down to the nitty gritty now. Um, you know, help us out here. What do we do? So I, I, I can't confirm or deny. I have not talked to Tom Ryan. I have not talked to. Uh, Who's supposed to come on our show? Yeah, no, he said he would. Okay. Said he would. Point number three. Uh, point number three is uh, kind of sad, actually. Oh, no. Did, oh, I hope I'm, I hate when I have to break sad news. I hope that you know this and you're just like pretending to be sad at this moment. Um, it was announced this morning that Eugene Melnick died. I saw that. And yes, yeah, that is, he was a, a, just a great ambassador for the game. Um, so many good horses uh, the, the Melnicks owned over the years. At the ripe old age, now I read something that he was only 62. 62. I thought he, I always thought he was a little older, but I, I obviously I'm wrong. And we also um, lost Chuck Winter this week. Oh, yes, we did. Which is very we sad. Did. I had a long I talk with. Uh, I actually saw that when I was in Dubai and I was yeah. like, <gasps> yeah. Very sad. Chuck, obviously a huge proponent of horse racing and served on the CHRB board and owned horses for years and years and years. Talked to, uh, I was actually on the phone with Madeline Auerbach last night. He was a good friend of him. She was very sad and uh, just rough, rough losses for our game. And especially at a time where we need more people um, to be proponents of our sport. So right. uh, our, all our best go out to their families. And uh, yeah, that was a bummer of a number three, Michelle. All right, well, that was the end of my three things of note. <laughs> All right, well, how about number four is we have this, uh, the FASIC Tipton sale, uh, the Gulfstream sale, is uh, going to be uh, started tomorrow, uh, today. We're going we're gonna to post this tomorrow morning, Michelle, on Wednesday, because the sale is Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, or today, later today at 2 o'clock. Uh, well, gonna... I'm so sad, though, then, because people can't, uh, people that are listening, they're going to be too late to buy something, maybe. No, they're not. They can listen on the way to the sale. They can listen. They can. It's at two p.m. Eastern. We're gonna we're gonna load this up at six a.m. tomorrow morning, baby. Okay. All right. All right. We're gonna make this happen. We're gonna find out all about the sale. We're gonna find out about uh, uh, recruitment and and what it means to to have this sale uh, from Boyd Browning, who is the man in charge of Facing Tipton. Coming up right after this. And, of course, as we're talking about looking at horses at the sales, you always have to think about if you don't buy a horse the sales, maybe buying one somewhere else and bringing it to sunny Southern California because we do have the Ship and Win program at Santa Anita. Hello. Hi. I'm saying hello, Ship and Win. Hello. Oh, that's just like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, 
That does include, Billy, a $5,000 bonus for out-of-state horses that have made their last start out-of-state and have not started in the state of California for 12 months, okay? And that does not count if you are a first-time starter. That game does not fly. Um, you also, in addition to the $5,000 bonus, you get a 35% purse bonus to your earnings in your initial start. And, of course, we have a ton of turf racing here with the new chute. We can write them at five, five and a half, six, six and a half, six and a half down the hill and further and further so it's always a great place to get to come if you are you know shopping around and want to enjoy watching your horse somewhere why not santa anita also want to remind you we do have the golden hour wagers every single racing day that is the golden hour double which is a five dollar minimum wager and the golden hour pick four which is a dollar minimum wager and both of those join up the last two or singles at Santa Anita and the last two or singles at Golden Gate. Uh, they are player friendly, low 15% takeout. And, the, and Michelle, and can I just say something really quick about that golden hour? That it's so fun to play. It's fun. And it also has big payouts. Pays off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just need to throw that in. It is. It's super fun to play and the payoffs are great. So if you're looking for something new to do, try out the golden hours. We're back on the owner's box with a very special guest. He is the president of Facing Tipton. His name is Boyd Browning. Boyd, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always enjoy the show and look forward to being a part of it today. Well, listen, uh, it's exciting because I was out there today and I was out there yesterday and watched those breezes and then saw some of the horses today. And there you have a, you know, look, it's not the largest catalog in the world. I think we'd both agree, but there is some quality. Absolutely. I mean, and that's what this sale in particular of ours at Facing Tipton in South Florida has been known for for years is certainly the emphasis on quality, quality individuals, quality pedigrees the type of horses that can win the, the Saturday afternoon races, the grade ones, whether it's Colts or Phillies, uh, you know, in the United States or really anywhere around the world. So, you know, we had a great breeze show yesterday, lots of activity on the sales grounds today. So, you know, we're very enthusiastic and looking forward to the sale tomorrow. Michelle, I know you have a question. Looking at the, the catalog, there's probably going to be about 100 horses going through the ring. Is that intentional for this particular meet? I do feel it, or, or for this particular sale, I feel like it is a, a boutique sale because you want such high caliber. But do you cap the amount of horses in the catalog, or is it just like we'll see whatever's good enough is going to get in? No, we don't cap the catalog per se. Uh, I mean, honestly, the catalog's a little smaller this year than it was last year. And in an ideal world, I wish I'd had a few more horses cataloged. But you can't you can't set an artificial number for a sale like this. The horses have to fit both in terms of their physical characteristics, their confirmation, as well as having enough pedigree. You know, the yearly market was very, 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 very strong in 2021, and it really pushed a lot of people, a lot of the pinnacles, kind of out of the upper middle class, shall we say, mm -hmm. in terms of a a lot of horses that they might have been able to buy in previous years for. 75, $100,000, the end users just kind of gobbled those horses up. So we could tell last year during the yearling sales, literally starting in July all the way through October, that, you know, that our quote unquote potential inventory this year was going to be a little bit smaller. And, and that's okay. You know, you, you have to, you know, present the horses that are going to have an opportunity to be successful, that the buyers kind of associate with this sale, with our brand, this sale. So it's a, it's, a, it's a moving target per se. Uh, my hope is that we're gonna have just a wonderful sale tomorrow and that next year uh, we'll have a lot of success in the next 12 months with graduates on the racetrack and we'll have a bigger and even better catalog next year. Boyd Browning joining us uh, on the owner's box today. Boyd, for, for our people who aren't uh, truly, they've never, made, never been to a sale or they're not sure where to buy a horse, and I know it's going to be tough for you because I know you do sell yearlings and you sell horses of racing age, you sell broodmares, but what's the elevator pitch for someone to get into the game by buying a two-year-old in training? Well, I think for a two-year-old in training, honestly, the, the, the pitch there is you're much closer to the action. I mean, you literally could be 30 to 60 days away from a start. I mean, you can have immediate action. Uh, you can get involved and, and start rolling right away. You buy a mare, obviously, um, you know, you've got to follow the mare. 
the horse has to, you know, if the ROS is going to race it as a two-year-old, so you're looking at, you know, two and a half, three years down the road and all likelihood before the horse makes a start. And a yearling, say you've still got to go through the breaking and training process, you know, by yearling in the summer or the fall. And all likelihood, you're still looking at nine to 12 months before you make a start. Whereas at a two-year-old sale, you know, realistically, you could, you know, make a start anywhere in the next 30 to 90 days. Makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, Michelle. Boyd, uh, what would you tell people that want to buy at your sale? Could you give them like a roadmap? This is what you need to do um, in order to be able to buy a horse. Well, I think that the answer to that is kind of. I think that the <laughs> biggest mistake that people make in a horse business is that they forget the business practices and the techniques that have allowed them to generally be successful in other business. First and foremost, second, first, second, third, and fourth, you need to associate yourself with good people. If you get surround yourself with good people that are honest, that are straightforward, that have the professional ability to help you understand what you want and to provide you good advice, you're 75% of the way to accomplishing your goals. So one, two, and three is associate yourself with good people. If you don't really know folks, you know, go to breed organizations, go to racetracks, go to sales companies, ask for some people who have had success, call and ask for references, talk to the potential people that you might be associated with uh, in, in advance and see, you know, who do you feel comfortable with? Who's the right fit? It's all about a relationship. And, you know, that's the one thing that I would certainly stress, uh, I mean, almost insist upon to have any success. You're going to build it. You're going to have to build your team. You're going to have to have something you have confidence with. And because the reality is in the thoroughbred business on the racing side of things, we all know this, but a lot of times it's hard for a, a new person to understand is that, you know, if you lose 80% of the time, you're really, you're really you're doing, doing pretty well. Yeah. So you have to enjoy the process. You have to enjoy going to the racetrack. You have to enjoy the action. I mean, I think, you know, I think there's what I refer to at times is there's action people and there's like that that really need to be involved basically in the racing game. There's other folks who love going to the farm, love kind of the nurturing aspect of it that the breeding business might be more suited for. You got to know your own personality, what you want to do, but whatever avenue you choose to pursue, it's all about the people, the people, the people. That's yeah, I it, totally agree with you, Boyd. And in fact, pe- we've said that on this show many, many times about just being in the racing industry in general. It's about your relationships and your people. I have a feeling, I have a sneaky suspicion that Michelle was also asking, what is the process as far as applying for credit, making sure that you, you do the ex- follow the XYZ? Bag of cash and buy a horse. Well, you could buy a bag of cash. Boyd will take cash. Do you? Yeah, I mean. The- <laughs> yeah, but if you give us ten thousand dollars or more, we're filling up the IRS form for sure. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be in compliance with all regulations. Because believe me, they come and they look over our shoulder on a on a pretty regular basis. But you know, the, literally, the there's a the process of establishing credit. Uh, every sales company has a credit application in the front of their catalog or online. You know, and it really is pretty simple. It's just go out your basic information and provide a bank or a financial institution reference. Uh, most of the time, new people involved will use an agent to help them, which once again goes back to the people. So the, you know, the, the initial thing is to set up your credit and to get an agent's authorization in place for someone being buying a horse for you. You know, and I don't think there's any substitute also for, you know, attending a sale or two, getting a feel for the process, understand the mechanics. You know, how do you look at horses? When do you look at horses? You know, the veterinary aspect of it, a veterinary examination is certainly uh, an important part, part of the purchase acquisition. Uh, you know, there's the repository at every sale where there's x-rays on file for the horses that are going to be sold. Uh, the veterinarian is part of your team as well as an agent. So there's, you know, some things like that. And literally there's, you know, lots of new owner seminars, whether it's, uh, you know, a racing syndicate putting on a new owner seminar, whether it's a breed organization, whether it's, there's lots of opportunities to go and learn the business or get an introduction to the business before you jump in there and, 
and then jump, you know, when you're, when you feel comfortable. And I think like a lot of things, most people are better off starting off with a, <clears throat> a toe or a foot in the water before you stick your whole body in. Mm -hmm. Unless you've got some prior experience or prior knowledge or, you know, have, are, are confident in what you're going to do. So, you know, and I think that, you know, a lot, I think our industry is really embracing the new owner aspect today. And everyone is trying to do as much as they can to A, facilitate the process and B, make sure that new owners get involved and have an opportunity for success and do things in the right way. Boyd Browning uh, from Facing Tipton, the president, El Presidente of Facing Tipton. Big sale tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern time at Gulfstream Park. Boyd, we talk a lot on our program about uh, quote unquote cleaning up the game, the whip rule, medication, transparency. How have the sales companies in the last few years uh, gone about uh, also cleaning up, not that it was dirty, but cleaning up the act and, and, and making these sales uh, uh, better for the buyer? You know, I think, Billy, in, in, in virtually every aspect of, of business and in the world, that, the world that we live in right now, transparency has become, you know, even more important. I mean, there are, you know, every horse that will go through the ring tomorrow has x-rays on file uh, that people can have an opportunity to, to review those x-rays in advance. There's codes of conduct for people who are buying and selling horses for the things you can and can't do. Uh, there are significant warranties in place that give people the, the opportunity to buy a horse and then make sure that what they got is what they thought they were getting. Uh, there's testing in place for medication testing to make sure that the horses that you buy really haven't been administered or anything has been done along those lines with regard to medication. Uh, we do random testing at two-year-old sales of, of drugs to make sure there aren't performance enhancing medications being given uh, as an deterrent. So there's, you know, a whole list of, of things that are being done and continue to be done to make sure that the, that the level playing field that buyers have every opportunity for success. Fantastic. But, uh, I want to ask also, this might be a little crazy, what's the most exciting moment that you have ever experienced at the sales? Oh, I like that, Michelle. Um, you know, Michelle, you know, the, the most obvious answer is probably when we sold the highest price horse ever sold at public auction, which was the Green Monkey mm -hmm. for sixteen million dollars. I was there. Um, Ryan was there. Yeah, too. I was too. Yeah, you know, my for me personally, it was probably when we sold Hob de Grace for ten million dollars at our November sale several years ago. Yes, because I had such a personal relationship with her owner, and was a very good friend of mine, Rick Porter, who. It was now deceased, but Rick was, you know, a, a, a real, a real friend and had sold a lot of horses with us. And, uh, you know, he was, he was a personal friend. So, you know, being able to knock it out of the park for him was, was pretty, was pretty special. Um, you know, the, the reality is, and, and people don't believe me, you know, I have butterflies before every sale. Really? Uh, I get nervous and, you know, because we're dealing with, you know, our, our sellers' livelihoods. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, it's not like a situation where it's just a hobby and the sales results, you know, the outcomes don't matter. I mean, we're impacting people's lives and their ability to, I mean, it sounds dramatic, but their ability to eat and provide for the family and take care of their employees and so forth. So you really have a sense of anticipation, a sense of nerves before, before every sale. You kind of remember the the spectacular results that you achieved, but you know, I've literally seen, you know, sell a horse for, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. And the person who had bought it, you know, it was an inexpensive purchase as maybe a, a foal or a yearling. And, you know, they may have paid $5,000 for it and it's transformed their life. I mean, they come in there and there's tears coming down their eyes and, you know, they're saying, you know, oh my goodness, you know, I can't thank you for all your help. And this is going to make such a difference for, for my family and for me. So, you know, it really does run from the, the whole course, but there's nothing more exciting. I mean, you know, hey, when you see you know, the opportunity to sell like seven figure horses, I mean, it's the adrenaline rush, the excitement, uh, that's really fun. But, you know, you, you hope that we give 
the same amount of effort for every horse that walks through that ring because it's you know it's 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 an asset for each man and woman that's selling that horse and we want to try to do the very best that we can on on every horse boy that sounds like a complete bs answer no (laughs) boy it's probably not achievable but it's certainly something i mean you know you really it's yeah yeah it's it's not i mean it's not realistic to be able to completely fulfill that that promise or that that goal but you know we dang sure we i I hope we we have a pretty high percentage of the horses that go through that ring that you know everyone gets treated as as a special horse and that you know our team uh gives 110 percent effort on on every horses in our sales I, I I think they do. I think the 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 relationship that you have with these consigners, you've known many of them for years. Obviously, that helps. Um, when you you and your team sit down and you have this catalog, and now you know who's out and and how they've breezed. Do you sit down tonight or tomorrow morning before the sale and kind of do an estimate and say, okay, our goal is X million for these hundred horses, or how does that? How, what's that meeting like? Take us in the war room of Facing Tipton. Well, it's different for every type of sale, to be honest with you, Billy. You know, at a, at a, at a yearly sale and a two-year-old sale, you have some information that you get basically based on the repository, the level of vetting. You know, when a, when a buyer or when their veterinarian accesses the re, their x-rays in the repository, that's tracked. So we have an idea of which horses are popular. Um, we don't know what the nature of that vetting is uh whether it's good bad or indifferent but we know which horses are are the most popular in terms of the veterinary action hopefully you know dear good hope to goodness that we have a pretty good idea of you know the horses that work the best and we can evaluate them and their pedigrees um but you know we don't sit down with any we don't know we don't i'm not going to sit down tonight and say my forecast or my prediction is is X. Right. So many moving parts. Right. The, the, the game will change throughout the day tomorrow, literally to the horse walks into the, to the ring where people will be, you know, the new buyers or potential bidders will surface. Uh, the, there's been times when, you know, consigners are a nervous wreck an hour or two before a horse sales because they don't have what they think is sufficient veterinary activity. And then boom, out of the clouds come, you know, four or five major players that surface and all, you know, do their homework at the last minute. So you, you really never know, uh, you know, particularly with yearlings and two-year-olds. With broodmares and bears, it's a little bit easier to kind of get an idea of, you know, what kind of range of value you think they're going to have. But you really, it, it's very difficult at the, at the yearling sales and the two-year-old sales. And honestly, the quickest way to show how dumb you are in the thoroughbred industry is to just start appraising horses and let you get evaluated on a <laughs> horse-by-horse basis. I tell our sellers that you generally... You know, evaluate it on a portfolio of your own 10 horses, and we try to kind of give you some estimates. At the end of the day, we'll probably be hopefully in the ballpark on the, the composite total, but we'll damn sure miss, you know, a bunch of them along the way, some under, some over. Sure. Michelle. Boyd, I want to know what is the biggest problem that you have on a sales day or a sales weekend? Like, what what do you personally have to Like, fi- are you talking about, like, fires to put fires out? To put, yeah, like... Who's coming? Like, are they like, Boyd, I don't like my seats. Are they like, Boyd, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, the hamburgers were terrible and it ruined my day. I mean, like, what what kind of problems do the owners what are, have or the buyers yeah. have or the sellers have that you are dealing with? What are you prepared for tomorrow? Uh, literally, you, it's a, anything and hopefully everything. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and you never know what to expect. Like if you say, what are my responsibilities like tomorrow? I have no responsibilities tomorrow, per se, direct. <laughs> no, I really don't. Okay? But but I get paid like literally to resolve the problems, to take care of the things that might go wrong, so that when somebody, you know, the hamburger can be a crisis for for a certain person, mm-hmm. or the seat, as you mentioned, can be a crisis for a certain person. Particularly at a place like Saratoga, I didn't get the seats that I wanted, or I didn't get my seats that I've sat in for the last 30 years, and I'm going to leave. Um, you know, you have horses get sick, you have people get sick, you have, you know, we've had 
you know, natural occurrences of, of inclement weather where sales have had to be postponed or delayed. And, you know, I don't even want to like speculate on all the things that can happen or go wrong because, you know, you, there's, <laughs> we get schooled every, when you think, you think you've seen it all, you damn sure don't want to see that, say that because is there something you haven't seen yet that can go wrong because you're dealing with human beings and you're dealing with horses and, and we both know both, both, we all know both of those are unpredictable. Boyd Browning, uh, you are a gem in the industry. Uh, what do you give us? Give us one thing to look forward to tomorrow. Is there are there any horses that are people? We're going to post this really early tomorrow. So give us give us some uh, imp early impressions. Well, can I give a plug, Billy? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, we actually had two horses that worked the uh, fastest that they've ever worked at our sales at Gulfstream. We had a filly that worked twenty and two by Bolt Dioro that Tom McCrockman selling. That's Billy's first. Work. Yeah, he wasn't going to say that, Michelle. Shush. We don't want to cool that. We don't want to uh, cool that. Keep going, Boyd. So that was the fastest breeze for a quarter mile that we've ever had at our sale golf stream. She's about one of the hottest, you know, young stallions in the world. And Bolt Dioro, who's had, you know, great energy and great attention at the sales thus far. So, you know, she's a high-profile offering. We had an Uncle Mo Cole who had the fastest eighth mile breeze we've ever had at, at the Gulfstream sale. He worked nine and three for Karen Dunn's Wayward Tree Stables. He's from the immediate family of Tappet. Wow. So, you know, let him win a grade one race and, you know, what is his value? Yep. But that, that is great. We had, you know, a bunch of horses that worked very, very, very well, made beautiful videos. And the thing that's really good is that the sales grounds were. We were full of, of the right buyers today and had a great feel and a great energy about it. And, you know, we'll line them up tomorrow and, and see what happens. And, you know, one of the beauties of the auction process, one of my favorite lines, and it's, it's the truth, but what we really have happens is that, you know, we want rational people to make emotional decisions and buying horses tomorrow to get caught up in the excitement. We're all competitive that are, that are basically in this business or in most every business, you know, you you think you're going to bid an X dollar? You look up and you see like, you know, Billy might be bidding on a horse and see one of the other syndicates or somebody he really doesn't want to lose to, and you know, all and behold, you're 50% more than you thought you were going to bid, and you're still gritting your teeth because you know we all love, you know, there's a, there's a few horses that we all fall in love with, and and you want to own. So it's you know that's the beauty of the auction process that it brings the buyer and the seller together for a short time period and makes everybody make a decision on the spot. Well, we certainly wish you all the luck in the world tomorrow, Boyd. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today. We appreciate all you do. And, and, uh, where keep are you going to dinner tonight? Yeah, where are you going to dinner? Uh, a lovely restaurant called Sardelli's. Oh. Uh, in, Holly in Hollywood, Florida. So, yeah, looking forward to an outstanding meal at Sardelli's tonight. It's one of my favorite places uh, in this uh Gulfstream Park slash Hollywood area. So are you going? Great meal. Are you going margarita or are you going vodka? Vodka. Red wine, Italian. <laughs> oh, Italian red but wine. Not, but not too much because it's a game day tomorrow, so it'll be a very low key. Uh, you know, maybe one to help settle the nerves, maybe maybe a second one to help wash down the the dinner but it'll be it'll be low-key all right low-key boy that's what we're calling you low-key boy thanks a lot boy thanks for spending the time with us and and again best of luck tomorrow with the sale thank you appreciate it fingers crossed for a great day for everybody you got it boyd browning joining us here on the owner's box uh michelle did you learn anything from that i did I learned that I can walk into Phasic with a bag full of money. <laughs> <laughs> Boyd is, is really great at what he does. He's been doing this for a long, long, long time. I think he said last night when I had dinner with him, it was over 30 years. And um, if, you're, if you're in the industry and – or, or I, I take that back. If you're just getting into the industry and you need someone to talk to, call Boyd. He will, he will give you – But not tomorrow. But not tomorrow. No, don't do it tomorrow. Call Boyd if you have some cash and you want to buy a horse tomorrow, but not for the advice. Wait till after this sale at Facing Tipton. Michelle, can I, yeah, can I go ahead. This, though? I do appreciate that. He said, like, you know, he pretty much shot me down. Even if you have a big bag of money, if you've never bought a horse before, don't walk into my sale with a big bag of money. Like, do your homework first. So right. I appreciate that because I think it does come from, like, a place of knowledge that you really should be – 
Che you know, checking all your boxes, making sure there's something you want to do, doing your your research. And I think that we've stressed that on the show a significant amount. But from the guy that's literally taking your money, he's like, do your homework. Yeah, I know. He's he's like that. I mean, that that's who he is. Uh, I've known Boyd for a long time. Good man. Good for the industry. And we appreciate him spending the time today. Michelle, there's some big derby preps this weekend. There, wait, I wasn't done talking about the sale, though. Oh, you sorry. Your bolt. Do you, are, you ha are you happy about your bolt? Did you think she was going to work that fast? You know... Michelle, it's it's difficult to talk about because I am biased, but um, Tom McCrocklin, who we worked with for many many years, and and he has sold, you know, he sold Instilled Regard for us, and and uh, the the um, so many other big horses, and this filly he has talked to me about for literally the last four months. Um, really? Yeah, and he's just kept saying she's special, she's special, she's special, and she's fast. She's incredibly fast. Like I've never had a horse that does what she does. And so when you have those expectations, and I said this yesterday, someone was talking to me about it um, in an interview, I think in the TDN, it's like when you have those high expectations, it's hard to exceed them, right? Because you're expecting her to work fast. We thought she'd work 21, 20 and four. For her to go 20 and two, the way she did it, this was, the jock's not pumping on her and whipping her or anything, was kind of insane. I mean, my the hair on my arm just stood up. And I had several very smart and very experienced bloodstock agents walk up to me after the breeze and say that was the best breeze I've ever seen in all my years. So, wow. um how that's going to translate and how she sells tomorrow, it's it's I don't know. Uh we hope it's it's going to be big. She vets good, which is as you know, well, she that's, wasn't expensive, right? Was she, she eighty five thousand? Yeah, it was interesting. We actually bred her. Oh. Yeah, and we sold the mare, and we sold her as a weanling, and then we bought her back as a yearling. So for eighty five thousand, so there's a good oh. chance. There's a very good. It's a great story. She's a beautiful filly. She's so classy, and um, there's a big chance she's she, beautiful. She's yeah. got a, lo a lovely hip on her. Really oh, yeah. nice shoulder. She looks super straight. Like she's that perfect. You know, Wayne Lucas always says cut horses in threes. Yeah. I mean, she looks like she's perfectly balanced in all three sections. Tom Tom called her generational, which is mm -hmm. saying something for him to say that. So we're excited. It's going to be a, an amazing moment. My heart's going to be racing really fast. We have some great clients involved in this horse. And uh, it'll be it'll be really, really fun to watch her go through the ring. And hopefully the right buyers will be there. All we can do is cross our fingers. Do you have any horses that you saw that are maybe like a little under the radar horse that you're not interested? I mean, you know, not trying to throw anything away if you're trying to buy it. But. No, we had a very, very short list. This is um, a couple things. And I didn't mention this to Boyd. I was going to ask him, but we, we kind of went on. And I know Boyd had to leave. Um, Gulfstream, the Gulfstream racing surface is not known for producing super fast times. And that's mm -hmm. what makes her 20 and, th 20 and 2 so remarkable. Um, and so, um, when, when, and to answer your question, when you, when you have a smaller sale and I think there's going to be only probably 75 horses, maybe fewer, mm -hmm. um, sold at the sale and you have a lot of buyers, we're all kind of landing on the same horses, right? We all, right. I, you know, I, I consider us, what I'll say is like a middle market buyer. We buy in that kind of hundred to two fifty range, right? right. That's. And so when you have a bunch of other middle market buyers, it makes it difficult because sometimes that pushes that price up a little bit. You have to stretch. Um, so what, what you have to do is you take a look at the yearling prices. You take a look and, and, and you, your bloodstock agent has to be able to tell you what he can live with and what he can't. So mm -hmm. if they might be turned out a little bit or the, he wasn't a great walk or they're a little light on the hip or, you know, hey, you, I think the most important thing is you kind of have to have a little vision. You know, hey, right. this is a May full. Maybe they're going to grow. Maybe they're going to catch up. Maybe they're at an awkward stage. Like all those kind of things come into play when you start analyzing it and you start creating your short list. Our bloodstock agent, John Dowd, he's been with us for the past two years and done a great job. I mean, he bought Elm Drive and Elevato and Benedict Canyon and a bunch of these horses that have done really well. Um, he is very particular. And truthfully, he creates a very, very short list it's you know i think we vetted four horses wow so yeah so so and those are the four that that are kind of we hope will land in all in, in our ballpark financially and and if they don't 
and we walk away with nothing. We're not going to buy. The one thing we always say, Michelle, and I don't know if I, I, you've probably heard this before, but it's like we're not buying a horse just to buy a horse. We don't right. need to do that. That's when you get in trouble. Um, and, and we've learned over the years. You know, there's times, oh, man, you know, we're a syndicate. We make our money by, by selling horses and syndicating horses. We have to have product. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it, you can't just have product. You have to have product that you believe in. And that's really the key. So that was my I like soapbox. Um, you know, so, so looking at a lot of the works, and the hard thing is, right, sometimes you'll just look through all the stallions and try to find, like, oh, let's find a first year or something, right? With this particular sale, that's, like, impossible to yeah. do pretty much. Yes. Um, I, I really thought that Hip 29 was interesting. He's a late or mid-May full, and he worked 10 and 2, which is – definitely not sparkling by any means but when you watch his work it takes him like i don't know 10 strides to get into it, it looks like a big old lummock right but then he gets into a nice stride late like he might be one that would develop maybe he'll be cheaper well he's got some pedigree i mean he's got code west in his pedigree i'm looking at the mm-hmm. the and he's by west coast so he's a first year sire and that's a great um analysis by you when you are look for a horse that maybe was a little green at the start of that breeze so they missed the pole there were a bunch of horses that actually jumped tracks yesterday in their breezes Mm -hmm. that might have i think it's i think time and we've talked about it a lot is vastly overrated yeah um in my personal opinion now you'll have bloodstock agents say well i don't want to buy a slow horse get i get that but there are horses that are bred to, to go a mile and an eighth, you know, and, and they just aren't going to go 10 flat, right? Or they're not going to go mm-hmm. nine and four. They're not bred to do that. You wouldn't want them to do that. So I think you have to decide what kind of end user you're going to be. Are you going to be patient? Are you going to be buying two-turn horses? Are you going to want a horse for Delmar? Because certainly, you know, that horse that you just mentioned, and I could be totally wrong. I don't even remember seeing the horse, but he's by West Coast out of a uh, broken vow uh, mayor and and you know what are the chances of him making it in July right right um, so you have to look at that our people you know we like those horses that are very precocious um, that that can make it to you know make it we won the Sorrento last year like that was huge that in, that's instant residual value you know or that can possibly get to the debutante or the Del Mar fraternity if you're on the west coast or some of those big races on the east coast but remember there are other people that have the same idea as you do, and sometimes they have bigger pocketbooks instead of your just big money <laughs> bag of cash. For so me, all, the, all the time, people have bigger pocketbooks, <laughs> but they don't have bigger hearts than you, Michelle. Oh, that's so nice. Really. Uh, uh, let me tell you what's coming up this weekend. We have a huge. There's a lot of derby preps, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Not at Santa Anita, though. Okay, you want to talk Santa Anita first? So yeah, real quick, just. Uh, we talked about the golden hour. We're going to have that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We also have a Santa Anita roll-up blanket giveaway this weekend. On uh, Saturday, it's our lone stakes race. I don't know if you've ever heard of this stakes race, Billy. The Singletary. Stakes. Yes, I have heard of that stake race. I miss that old, old fella, Singletary. You got anything for it? Yeah, we actually might have – we have at least one. We have a, a new European horse that we own with Madiket and Old Bones for Phil D'Amato uh, named Balnikov. Balnikov. Yeah, a very, very nice horse. J.J. Hernandez is riding, and he should uh, uh, he should be one of the ones. He's a very nice horse. We may run our other Euro in there, Almanera, who had a brutal trip first time out. Um, we may run him as well. So we, we at least have one, and it would be really great to win the Singletary Stakes. Very cool. Very nice. So that's the uh, stakes race that we have at Santa Anita. Also, if you're on site, it is going to be the Santa Anita Barbecue Championship and Spring Carnival. Oh, that's fun. And the the, the grade one Florida Derby is this weekend. Michelle, we bought into a horse running in the Florida Derby. You did? Yeah. Yeah, his name is Steel Sunshine. He ran second in an allowance race. He's by Constitution. He's Kerry Brogdon's horse. Okay. And Kerry was kind enough to make a deal with us to buy in with a, one of our funds, our East Coast fund. And it's really exciting because he is – I watched him gallop today. He is the coolest horse, Michelle. You would absolutely love this horse. He's trained by Bobby DeBona, who this is one of the biggest races of his career. We're going to be probably 50 to 1. And, I love it. Yeah, and, and this horse is bred to run all day, wants to run all day. So we're hoping just like, you know, hey, you have simplification, you have cla- uh, classic causeway, 
You have um, uh, White Abiaro. Is that? Did I say his name right? Yep. White, White Abario. White Abario. I always mess that up. My, that's my dyslexia. Um, and you have you got some horses that are probably going to go. And if a, if the pace collapses and we hit the board, we're one race away from the Kentucky Derby. Wow, that's yeah, exciting. It's kind of fun. Yeah, we're really and excited. Also, also we have the Arkansas Derby coming up. Yeah, and that's exciting because um, Secret Oath is going in there, the filly against the boys. She is. Also, I do like a little blog for CBS about like horses that I like or don't like that. Basically what it is, is we're looking at the derby pool and trying to decide like, is this horse worth betting on the pool or not? Right. Right. So I've got a horse that I said, I think that you should bet at uh, 50 to one. And his name is Cyberknife. Okay. And he is actually uh, going in the Arkansas. Derby. All right, look out for Cyberknife. Look out for. Wouldn't it be cool if Secret Oath runs huge and and Dwayne Lucas is back in the Derby with a filly? Yes, except for the fact that when I was playing on our fantasy horse racing, I almost picked her up and I got she like literally the round I was going to get her, someone else got her. Ugh. So now I have to like root against her. No, <laughs> you can't root against her. All right, Michelle. Well, we really appreciate everybody who listens to this show. Thank you. We are part of the In The Money podcast, In The Money Media Network. I always mess that up. Mm -hmm. Thanks to our sponsors, Sanita and TaylorMade and Delmar and everybody else who has interest in the show. Really, it was great to have Boyd Browning on today from Facing Tipton, the president of Facing Tipton. I thought Boyd did a a very, very uh, nice job of kind of explaining the sales process. Uh, That was really cool. And Michelle, I will be back in town this weekend, so I will see you back in... uh, in uh, at Old Santa Anita, the great race place oh, this on. weekend. How come you're not going to Florida? I'm in Florida. I know. But oh, you, you, uh, you know, I got some, fa- I have some family obligations. And so Gary, actually, it's his kids uh, spring break. So they're coming down here oh. and he's going to he's going to be our representative with Carrie Brogdon for Steve. Do you know how she, uh, Steel Sunshine got it, got his name? No. Um, Is it well, Steel, S-T-E-E-L or Steel like take? Is steel like take steel sunshine okay. now it's from his parents who has sunshine and i don't have the pedigree right in front of me it's constitution out of carrie's gonna kill me because i can't remember the mayor's name right now i don't have it up but she that song won't you steal my sunshine oh, okay. you like that song right yeah i like that song i steel think sunshine th- out of the damn warm sunshine warm sunshine song. there you go won't you steal my sunshine, steal my sunshine. I, <laughs> I think horses should have walk-up music I have been saying that for years. <laughs> uh, although yes. Balnikov would have to, it's like, I don't even know what kind of name that is, like Russian. Oh, that sounds like, he needs like Russian like house music. He needs like, no, from Drago. Oh, Drago. <laughs> like when Drago came in against Rocky. All right. Yes. That's enough of us bantering, Michelle. We'll see you next week on the Owner's Box. <laughs>